0: All right, everybody. We're talking about season three, episode four. Who watches the Watchers? And you know, I'm, I'm trying to make this evolve slowly. So now I got my full setup. I got the Who Watches the Watchers playing on an old iPhone 4s, and I have I got all my stuff here. So we'll do a little run through. And the episode is rolling, but it opens with Captain's log, Manta. I can't read my hand. Unfortunately, I don't have a handwriting reader here. Uh, but but Ricardo says, Mintaka, Mintaka 3 or something, the anth- anthropo- anthropological field team with a bad reactor. And we got to get down there. Jordy does not understand. Like, this was an interesting little uh, two or three minute exchange because uh, Jordy says, geez, why do they have such a powerful reactor? He's representing the audience here, I think, and saying, well, what do, what's the hook here? And Riker kind of teases, I says, well, a phaser bank, a subspace relay, or, Geordi, come on, figure it out on your own, you're a big kid. And he says, oh, a hologram generator, a duck blind, they're anthropologists. And then Picard says, yeah, they're studying Mintakins at close range, but they're camouflaged, you know, they're just anthropologizing, and... uh uh, Troy Tro- Tro- Tro says they're proto Vulcan humanoids at a Bronze Age level, peaceful and rational. And Picard says, "Yeah, they've uh, paralleled uh, the Vulcan evolution, so that makes sense." And let's see what else we have here. Didn't Jordy? Uh, uh, oh, yeah, this was one qu- criticism I had of Geordie. Didn't he, aren't you shouldn't have he read the reports and known this all? But I guess he's a representative of us. And then the reactor goes bad, so, uh, like, Picard says, you know, we got to get down there. uh, And Data says, don't worry, sir, we get to warp seven, we could be there in 27 minutes. And he says, uh, make it so. And then we see two watches, the watchers, and then team, what does that say, team beams in a good... Oh, okay. So team beams in. We see the uh, away team. They're in the uh, reactor or the uh, duck blind, the anthropological station. And there's some good electrical effects. And then I don't know if anybody's watched a certain TV show with uh, Twin Peaks, but you get a, if you did, you're, you're in for it here for a good, I guess, a laugh. I don't know if a laugh's the right word. Maybe a pleasant surprise, uh, named Leland, uh, but, uh, but it's a father and a daughter, they're going to read the sundial. It's very cute interaction, very nice, uh, father-daughter interaction. And they see this spark, uh, like a, a reflection of the sun. It's the observation post. And then we go back there and Jordy and Riker and Data are like repairing stuff. Crusher's taking care of the staff, uh. Uh, then the father and daughter. What does it say? O G. Is that what that says? Father and daughter. O O G E. Oh yeah, that's the father's name. O G. Oh no, the daughter's name. You think I would haven't seen this episode before? Yeah, but the father climbs. Uh, the father goes. He goes. You wait here, O G. And then he gets up and he peeks in like the window of this observation post. And he sees data. He, like, basically locks eyes with data. Beam out with patent, then eye contact with data. What does that say? Beam out. Oh, no, somebody, like, a tra- transports out with a the patient. Uh, then Lico is this guy's name. He makes eye contact with data. It's like you be- like can't believe his eyes, you know. He's in the Bronze Age. Uh, so he has a little feigning spell. And then his daughter runs to him, but you know, it's Bronze Age. They don't have smelling salts, so she hides. His Crusher runs down to give him smelling salts, and then she says, "We got to. I didn't even bring any with me. We got to beam back to the uh, Enterprise." And this brought up a lot of questions for me, like uh, like curiosity questions, because then the generator's fixed, and the daughter climbs up to where the father was. And she checks and she feels and it's stone, which I guess is like uh, from what I've been learning as I've been watching these Star Trek episodes is that these holograms, that might not be the real right word because it's the same technology as the uh, transporter and the food generators and stuff. It's not, a, it's not a fake, it's a real, I think, as I'm learning. I, you know, and I keep learning, that's why I'm here. I mean, you know, it'll take me. You guys saw how I did with Spanish, right? Um, let's see. Feels this fake zone. and six sick bay. Picard's not happy with how things went on the planet. He's like, Crusher's like, well, we had he fainted, so we had to get him out of there. You know, he had already seen us. And Picard says, uh, "I'm not sure I like uh, concur with your reasoning." You know, this is total Prime Directive trouble. And then he says you remove all memory of his you know and uh you know and she says, well, I could try Dr Pulaski's technique for short term memory uh but you know, minta and brains are different, I don't know about their lie zones, and uh, let's see what happens next here card's not please, damage was done." Picard's very cool when he says, remove all memory. But then the dude wakes up and sees Picard as Picard's uh, giving out orders. And they're looking for a guy that was missing from the duck blind. And, and Picard says, you know, I want to have 4%, you know, because they say, if we get closer, I could get you 4% more efficiency. And then the dude says to himself, Picard and then he gets beamed back uh, and wakes up and then he says og oh, og oh, i spelled og you know phonetically o h g e e exclamation point. and the daughters looking now here's a little in like uh, interruption here like if you if you've been to disneyland and carsland and disneyland Obviously, it didn't exist when they shot this episode, but the mountains look a lot like the man- manufactured mountains at Disneyland, the Cadillac Range, and I just thought that was interesting. Then the uh, father and, and his great ride there it was you just so uh, like uh, it's worth it to go to Cars Land. Very, very immersive, and you got to stay for the neon when the neon comes on. Uh, then the father and daughter talk. Uh, she says, "Father, what happened?" And he goes, I met the Picard. The, uh, he goes, long ago, we believed in beings with great powers, and they made the rains come and the sun rise. And she says, those are tales, father, superstitions. And Liko says, well, maybe they're true. He goes, everything has changed now, O.G. We got to tell everybody about it. Also, these people have humongously strange eyebrows and uh, then there's a commercial when they go to tell the others. Then there's a staff meeting, and they still they're like, we can't find the guy who left the dike blind, and we're looking around the planet, and they like lots of places he could be hiding out. His name's Palmer, which is totally like this wild, because Leland Palmer is the character that the the that it just was just wild. But they say, we've got to track this guy down because, you know, we can't have any more cultural interference. Uh, You know, we need to let these people develop on their own. And then Riker goes, well, I got a little idea. And this is when the show goes, this is when this episode goes from being good. uh, At least like this, with this interplay, it's just worth it to just watch the episode for this one portion uh, that just lets you know how on how many levels this show's really is operating. It's, it's a total, like, like, it's a role, like, it, like uh, I put holy roleplay, and that's, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a serious roleplay situation, in Riker and Troy, you know, they cut that part out. I put holy roleplay, exclamation point, so awesome. You know, even on the next uh, second rewatch, like it's just you, like even the way Picard's dressed—he has green shorts. I mean, Riker, he's got these interesting boots that are like just below the knee, but they're open boots, uh, so you definitely must not be a lot of rain on this planet, which it doesn't look like. He's got kind of a darker blue-green vest. They're bo- both holding fabric. He's got chest hair. He's rocking his chest hair. Uh, I guess I should explain to you what happened. So, Troy and Riker beam down to the planet dressed as Mentakens, and they're both into it. And I mean underlined in exclamation point, uh, what do you call in quotes, in quotes, you know, you know, like interlocking parentheses or whatever you want me to say. Like, they're very playful acting And, you know, I prefer Troy, like, I don't know about the uh, eyebrows, but this is a much more, like, natural, like, human look, even though she's a Mintoic, and as far as her dress goes. uh, And her and uh, Riker have a little, like, uh, flirting situation. They say, uh, you know, Mintoic and emotions are interesting. This is Counselor Troy. Like Vulcans, they have ordered, highly ordered minds. They're sensible people. For example, Mintoic and women precede their mates, it's like a single to other, signal to other women. And then she goes in front of Riker, and she, they both have these great looks on their face. And Riker uh, says, this man's taken, get your own. And she says, not precisely, more like, if you want his services, I'm the one you have to negotiate with. And Riker says, what kind of services? And Troy says, all kinds. And then he says, Riker says, they are a sensible race and, uh, it was just awesome, and, uh, also Troy was like, uh, like, a, I don't know what shoes she was wearing, the walking was a little awkward, and then they just roll up to the Mintak and thing, this is where I was like, what, wouldn't they need a little extra training before they try to assimilate? Also, they were covered in straw, of course, she said, why, why, why is there straw in their bags, but, you know, don't worry about it, and they go into this assembly hall, and, uh, uh, Lico's telling them all about what happened. He goes, yeah, I realize you're skeptical. And he goes, but my daughter saw most of it. And uh, they have this guy, Fento, who's their wise person. Like they say, Did you have, then there used to be gods that could appear and disappear. And Fento said, yeah, there, there was one called the Overseer who could do that uh, and heal people. And they say it was supreme power. So the ancestors believed. And Lico goes, yeah, I met him. His name is the Picard. And I love that. The Picard. And Riker and Troy are going on the down low. So they say, like, they're talking, communicating, like, with Bluetooth, with the the one that, like, where you don't need a speaker. So they say, oh, his memory's intact. This isn't going to work. And then Noria, who's their leader, says, uh, she says, uh, Liko, this is supernatural talk. No one's to believe that in generations. We don't believe the stars control our fates or the spirits. And Lico says, well, not, I don't think everything's true, but I met the Picard, and that's who healed me. And then this was like a little bit, I don't know if, like, like I don't know if you would lose your uh, license. Troy seems to, I don't know. I'm Again, I'm not a therapist, so... Uh, but while lawyers uh, being like, like Luria is being the, the voice of reason, the Picard, uh, Troy goes, well, you know, we're just in from out of town and I don't want to throw shade on all your ideas because we're just here celebrating, uh, you know, sell, uh, sell uh, selling fabric and I'd love to validate your feelings. But, you know, it was just a dream, you know. It was interesting, but just a dream. By the way, this is Riker you sorry, our hair's all messed up. We, 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 we slipped and fell in one another's arms, you know. Oh, boy. And Liko goes, no, 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 it wasn't a dream. I, I'm sure I was, uh, like, observing. And his daughter says, yeah, we, me and my father both saw this. And Troy says, oh, well, maybe you had a, share, no, yeah, a shared dream. And Liko goes, that's not reasonable. And Riker said, Riker, I didn't know, I don't know if he said, well, is that, you know, is that less reasonable than magic uh, by some Picard? And, oh, yeah, this is another thing. It was like this was really a Keystone Cops episode because everything uh, that the crew of the Enterprise does just keeps like falling apart uh, uh, step after step. Because then they roll in with Palmer, the guy that they've been looking for. And he's like weekends at Bernie. He's totally fainted. And he has no motor function, just like weekends at Bernie's. But, you know, different because he's fine eventually. And they say, well, geez, this is Picard's guy. He's going to be pleased we found him. And even Nuri is like, well, I guess you were telling the truth. This is a guy in a spacesuit." suit. And uh, Lico says, the Picard will be pleased. And then Riker goes, uh, Riker to Picard, well, yeah, we got a big problem. It's uh, go- not going good and Picard says, "Well, how bad?" He goes, "Well, they're starting to believe in a god, and it's you." And then there's a slow pull in and a commercial break. Then this create this anthropologist, the lead anthropologist, is really salty. He's arguing with Picard like he has, I mean again, I don't know anything about authority, but I'm like, uh the guy's really like like adamant with Picard, which I guess is good because he's about his support staff support. But he said he says Picard, I must pr- protest. And I, put, this is one bossy dude. Uh, and then we're back in the planet. Everyone's touching the Palmer's face. Uh, and Liko's like, oh, you know what? This is a, a servant of uh, the, the overseer. And they say, right, Vento? And Vento says, well, maybe, like, uh, but why would he be down here in a cave? Uh, and they say, well, maybe, like, uh, the, the Picard's not happy with him. And then Riker tries again. He goes, these are just superstitions. This guy's just in a spacesuit. A ho- Don't you have Halloween? We have that in our village. So they say, uh, oh, Riker says, oh, it's superstition. And Nuria says, no, no, no. no. She goes, normally i agree with you, but the evidence is contrary, my dear Riker. And Lico says, I heard Picard say he's looking for Palmer. And here's a little uh, pandering for uh, fans of a certain, Mr. Palmer is concerned with the $1,000 question, you know, just like Roger. Anyway, that was a little pandering to a certain group of the audience. Uh, but just like they say, well, if Mr. If we keep Mr. Palmer safe, uh, please Picard, and they'll give us favors. And this is when you get the subtext and the emotional drive. And I just had seen. I'm going to see Rogue One again tomorrow. I think. And I don't know. You think about why certain movies work, and then why why is Star Trek uh, like uh, like uh, so beloved by so many people. And I've been really impressed how like I just uh watching another episode right now, uh, like uh the the emotional substance they can they can put into these episodes. So the so the thing with uh leco and OG is that uh like uh, the, there was floods and Uh, During the floods, uh, Liko's wife, O.G.'s mom, she took a boat in the flood and, and, you know, went to to visit this uh, farm island. And so O.G.'s kind of obsessed with this higher power thing because he said, well, maybe my wife will come back from the farm island to live with me and my daughter again if I can get Picard, the the overseer, happy. So it's kind of driving this obsession. Uh, I don't know. It just really like... in, in. I mean, especially the spectacular acting, but, uh, I don't know. I just really, I don't know. It just sticks out to me because you can see that it's just driving subtextual force sometimes in the episode or maybe not subtextual. I just like using that word. Cause I, I do think it makes me sound one time a teacher praised me for using that word. So if you're ever wondering like, uh, like why scoots will use subtextual so often teacher praise. So, you know, works praise works, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I guess uh, for, so for me overusing words, uh, shame does not make me underuse words, by the way, because I do get, like, uh, every episode I hear from some person. Uh, it hasn't worked. It just, just keeps me up. It doesn't help me to say the words less. Uh, anyway, let's get back to the episode, because, I, I, like, he's a servant of the overseer. Bring back those who've passed, which is a nice extra... Uh, then Troy, they do this Riker and Troy still a Keystone Cops situation, but Troy says, "Geez, I seen uh, somebody else that works for the overseer outside." Everybody, come on, and everyone runs outside, and then Riker's inside with the older, wise person and Palmer, and Riker says, "You know who? You know who Will Rogers is?" And the gag goes, "No, my, this is the Bronze Age. You're breaking rhyme directive." Riker goes, "Well, he would do these rope tricks. Let me show you them." And then Riker takes Palmer and tries to bolt, like another weekend at Mer- breakout with weekend at Bernie's, gets caught by OG, who's going, "Who picks this time to go check the sundial?" And she tells on them, "So Troy busts uh, Troy gets busted because Riker gets away. Um, but before Riker gets away, there's like a fake bird. Twenty two fifteen. I wasn't sure if it's fake bird or real bird. I just rewatched it and I couldn't. Well, let me see. I'm still playing it, and I didn't see it. You uh, couldn't tell if it was a bird on a stick. Oh, there it is. I just saw it. It was. Uh, I couldn't tell again. It's twenty two o seven actually. In case you're playing the at home game. And again, I couldn't tell if it was a fake bird or, you know, with, or a real bird with perfect timing. Just appears by, behind the mountains. And it caught my eye. And then Riker's out. Then Troy's in the middle of a group of the Muntokans. And they're like, why did you take uh, Riker from us? Uh, why did you, why'd you and Riker take Palmer from us? And she, Troy goes, I don't know what you're talking about. We didn't. We set him free. We don't believe in fables about the overseer. And Lico says, you've angered the Picard, you know, I've seen, I've met the Picard, all-powerful. And Nico has all these crazy ideas about what to do with Troy, like, uh, should we arrest her, or whatever, and then there's an ad. And Riker and Picard are having a meeting with the anthropologist, uh, they're like, man, we really messed this up. And they say, what do you think they're going to do with uh with Troy, or what should we do? And they're like, well, they, they think you're a god. Uh, and Picard says, recommendations. And the, the anthropologist says, well, you you got to send them a sign. And Picard says, what do you mean? And Baron, the guy, Baron I think, is, he says, go down there. And Riker says, as a god? And Picard says, no, 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 this is against the prime directive. And they're like, we're just trying to minimize the damage we've already done and Ricard says, by sanctioning false beliefs, and uh, Aaron says, give them a guideline, so let them know what the overseer expects. Really good, because Picard's under a lot of peer pressure here, and he realizes like his actions have consequence. He says, I cannot, I will not impose a set of commandments on these people. He goes, this violates the very essence of the prime directive and they say, well, you, we, we uh, you know, stirred up their belief in the overseer. And Riker says, so this is going to become a religion? And Barron says, it's inevitable without guidance, and it could, you know, uh, be the negative side of it. And Ricard, he says, it's horrifying. He goes, these are rational people, you know, without supernatural. And he goes, we're going to sabotage this and send them back into superstition and fear? No. He says. Also, the, the, the anthropologist is dressed as Obi Wan Kenobi in this uh, part two. He says, "Oh no!" W- w-, Picard says, "We're going to find a way to fix this." And he goes, "Number one, who's the leader?" And he says, "A smart woman named Nuri, a very, clear minded and sensible, and they trust her. If we could, you know, we could convince her you're not a god, and then Picard says she might persuade the others." And they say, well, how are you going to do that? And Picard says, well, if she thinks the Picard's a magical figure, I'll show her behind the magic. I'll bring her aboard. Let's see. Masquerading. Oh, also, I said, Holy Sims. Like This was like the Sims game a little bit. Oh, also, I said, this guy's the worst anthropologist. I said, what the heck kind of Dr. Baron is this fool? First of all, he's dressed as, I mean, I guess I'm no one to criticize, but he's dressed as Obi-Wan. Um, you know what? No, he's dressed as Unc- uh, Aunt Aunt Baru, Uncle Owen. He's dressed as Uncle Owen from A New Hope. I- I'm not kidding. I'm looking at him right now. He's dressed in the exact same outfit Uncle Owen was dressed as. And uh, just the worst thing, I mean, I don't want to fire get anybody fired, but this guy should have never been an anthropologist. He's been in that duck blind too long. And I put Holy Sims, because this is just like a Sims game where you become, you know, the whole God complex type thing. Uh, Horrifying, strong stand by Picard, rational, Nuria. Okay, then we have Data talking to Troy, uh, and she's trying to be sly. She's like, well, by the way... And they're like, once Nuria's alone, we'll beam her up to Transporter Room 1, which I said, there's more than one Transporter Room, really. I didn't realize that, but I, I did hear Transporter Room 3 recently. And this was pretty cool because Picard goes down to Transporter 1. He says, I'll handle this. And he even does the, the working of the transport controller. And Nuria comes aboard. He says, hey, don't be afraid. I'm Jean-Luc Picard. And she goes, she says, or Jean-Luc, and she says Picard. And she kneels. And we go to commercial. Picard says, get up. He goes, look at me. I'm, you know, I have you feel the warmth of my hand. I'm flesh like you. And this is from the opening. The doors open and she sees the door open by itself. She says, what a wondrous place. Even the doors obey your commands. And Picard says, wondrous, yes, but not miraculous. Uh, then they look down at her planet, which was a little disorienting because uh, I thought that would melt someone's mind seeing their planet from outer space. But she says this is my home, and he goes seen from above, and she goes yet we do not fall. I never thought I'd see the clouds from the other side. I, this was a little advanced for me. I mean, a little bit of a jump, and this, this was funny too. But she goes your your power like at first Picard's like okay, I told you know I told her in flesh and blood, oh, problem solved. And she goes, your powers are truly boundless. Uh, and she says, can you bring some people back from this island farm we have? And Picard gets a headache. It's so funny. And then he weaves this really, like, a good metaphor. He goes, geez, uh, do you live in uh, huts or caves? And she says, yeah, well, they, we, like, uh, we live in huts. He goes, well, did you live in caves? He goes, yeah, but we learned how to make huts and uh, he goes, oh, that would be, re- I don't know, like, uh, they, he brings her on this logic quest of reasonable assumptions. Someone invented a better hut and bows and then taught it to others. Uh, Picard was really good here. Uh, he says it's ma- like uh, like magic or something. He says it's magic or something. And he says it like a whisper. Let me see if I can find the dialogue. Uh, Oh, she's. they say, oh, because we hunt with bows. And Picard says, well, you, what if someone's never seen a bow? doesn't exist in their world. To you, it's a simple tool. To her, it's magic. You know, he says, you know, I just like that, like a whisper. And then they say, well, how would the people react if they saw you, Nuria? And they say, well, maybe they'd be afraid. And then... Picard says, just as you fear me. And she says, I do not fear you any longer. And Picard says, good, because we lived in caves once, and then we built huts, and then we built ships like this. And she says, perhaps one day my people will travel above the skies. And Picard says, of that I have no doubt. And then we're back on the planet, and uh, what is the name? Liko's freaking out. He's like, well, there's lightning. That means Picard's not happy. He blames us. And he's totally going back and forth. Then we go back to the ship, and Lico, Luria's uh, touching a model of the old Enterprise. Oh, this is when she says, Just, by the way, Picard, this is when Picard gets a real headache, because she says, we got six people on this farm island, and they they went in a boat, but they need a ride back, we think, from a god. And, uh, you know, could, do you think you could handle that? And Picard says, no, and then they said, like, and Ray said, I don't know what we could have done to get you to bring those people back from the island. And Picard says, I failed to get through to you, haven't I, despite all my efforts, which I like, again, because we were close to the finish line. And again, this Keystone Cops theme keeps, you know, they fumble the ball. And then we're back on the planet and uh Liko or whatever. It's like, we must do as the Picard wishes. uh Lots of sleep-making ban-ban. What does that mean? Magic ban-ban. I can't... <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. We must do as Picard wishes. Lots of sleep magic ban-ban. Man, I can't figure that out. Search everywhere... And the scene's going on now, lot like, uh, I don't know. It, almost positive that's what it says. not, Picard wishes, uh, I don't know, maybe wishes everyone goes to sleep. Then there's an ad, uh, but that'll remain a mystery. Then we're at the Med Bay, and one of the anthropologists says, you know what, I'm going to do some anthropological work on this farm island, and the guy, the, the guy dressed as Uncle Owen with a bad attitude is, you know. Uh, and then Loria says, Picard, uh, that anthropologist, she went to live on the same island. I get it now. But just people sometimes go to live on islands, uh, farm islands. You are not masters of life or farm islands. I understand it. For all our advances, we are just as mortal and powerless to stop the inevitable. She says, "You are not supreme beings." Oh no, she says, "You are not superior beings." My people must understand that. And then let's see, uh, not superior beings. Uh, and then oh, I just figured out the uh, last mystery. Like, cause every Star Trek episode is kind of like a mystery. I just realized that there's lots of sheep there's some sound design on the planet of lots of sheep going ba ba. So if I go back what I thought said lots of sleep making ban ban actually says lots of sheep making ba ba with the B A N being B A A B A A. Though it looks like ban ban. Lots of sleep making ban ban is what a normal person would guess. You know, but, you know, it's a mystery. Just like every Star Trek episode or a lot of them are like a mystery that has to be solved. My handwriting is a mystery that may accidentally be solved by uh, doubling up my notes. But on the planet, Troy's still pushing for a solution. Liko's still pushing for something wild. And then the daughter stands up. She says, Father, we don't need uh, to do anything wild. And he says, Picard, we need your guidance. And he's kind of answering, and then Picard shows up, and he says, "Liko," and he says, the Picard overseer has come. And he says, no, 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 I'm not an overseer. I'm a traveler from a faraway land, nothing more. Liko says, but you uh, healed me. I'm your servant. And Picard says, I'm, you're no one's servant, Liko. I don't desire obedience or worship. And Nuria says, the Picard speaks the truth. It gave him a headache, you know, that's proof right there when we were on a ship. Also, I have a great idea for doors, uh, Luria says. Like, you know, once we get back to doing the doors, you know, you were just sick, Lico, and Picard helped you with technology. And Lico says, no, 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 the, the, Picard, the Picard can bring my wife back from the farm island. And Picard says, I can't. And Lico says, did I fail you? Why, why won't you help me? Are you upset? And Picard says, I'm not upset. And Lico says, I'll do whatever you wish, Picard. And Picard says, it's beyond my power. I like this just because Picard's kind of helpless, like, against Lico's logic. And Lico says, nothing's beyond your power. You're the overseer. And Picard says, I'm not all-powerful, dude. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. And then Lico does one last last test, which... uh, you know, then then it cuts to a commercial. I think. Let me see. Let me read through Picard. We need your guidance, to Picard. No, I'm a traveler. Then we have more sheep sounds. Nico's still a believer. Uh, beyond my power. Picard does a bold, all-or-nothing move to prove it. The daughter saves the day. And then he says, uh, uh, "Captain's com, commander, captain's log. Yeah, supplemental." You know, I'm healing up, but I have one last visit to Mintaka 3. And uh, one last visit to Mintaka 3. And he kind of shows them what the uh, observ- observation pro- post is. And they say, What is it? And he says, Well, a place to watch you. And they say, Why? And he says, To understand you, to study you. And then it vanishes. And they say, well, why would have advanced people want to learn about us? And Picard says, well, we were once, as you are now, little, you know, little uh, first world there, Picard, you know, easy on the uh, first world stuff. But it says, to study you is to understand ourselves. And they say, well, why hide? And they say, and then Lico says, well, because the presence would affect people like me, you know, because I get all bent out of shape. And Picard says, it's our highest law that we not interfere with other cultures except by incompetence and accidents. And they say, oh, so is the accident. Oh, says that. And then Picard says, all right, I got to get out of here. You know, I got a spaceship with, you know. With, and then he says, well, maybe Dr. Crusher and I would like to dress up as mintakins first. And Wesley says, great, I'll come with you. And Picard says, oh. And then the, the dude, uh. Like, I think the guy dressed as Uncle Owen goes. And so, but they, they did that in the countryside. So that part was cut out. Yeah, but O.G. says, well, why don't you teach us more before? And he says, I can't teach you about this. It's called role play. You'll learn about it maybe. I don't know. It's a first world thing. I don't know. Maybe you have to be bored first. And he said, also interfere with your own progress. You'll progress in your own way. And Nuria says, uh, so we will, just as you, just as you have taught us, there's nothing beyond our reach, not even the stars. And then they give Picard like a cool belt or something and, uh, he ties it up with, he ties up all their screw ups with a neat bow. That's what I put, uh, nothing beyond our reach, not even the stars and a gift. And he says, uh, Nuria says, I wish you good journeys, Picard. Remember my people, because it says all always. Actually, since Dr. Crusher is with Wesley, he says no, no, that's definitely pride. And then the episode comes to cool. a Very good episode. Uh, but I want to talk about a couple things from this episode, facts-wise. First is a great actor, Ray Wise. Ray, this is from Wikipedia. Raymond Herbert Wise uh, is an American actor. Played Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks. He was in RoboCop, Rising Sun. Uh, He's been in a a bunch of TV shows, and I think he's in a bunch of 20 season 24 of season 5 from Akron, Ohio. Went to Garfield High, just in case anybody, and then went to Kent State. Wow, he's Romanian of Romanian descent, according to Wikipedia. And best known for his uh, role as Leland Palmer. Was also on a soap opera, Love of Life, for seven years and 950 episodes. Uh, was in the TV pilot of a uh, TV show, Beauty and the Beast. I remember that. Uh, in addition to Twin Peaks, uh, he's been in a lot of science fiction, played Leco in Star Trek, uh, and was also in an episode of Star Trek Voyager. Uh, he's been on Tim and Eric's awesome show, a bunch of other stuff. Ian, I mean, just an amazing job. I mean, Leland Palmer, like, uh, uh, just, I mean, amazing. I remember watching a couple of those big episodes with my mom when they were on TV. And to say it's hard to ever even see acting at that caliber, uh, if you watch season one of Twin Peaks, you uh, you won't be disappointed. Uh, I was also in the 1982 film Swamp Thing. I saw that. Uh, I always liked that. Uh, Journey of Natty Gann. That was a good one. I think Natty Gann was one of my first, not my first crush, just because I would have been in fifth grade, but uh, it's been a bunch bunch of movies. Uh, Battle of Shaker Heights. Wasn't that the uh, uh, first Project Greenlight? Uh, A friend was in that Shia. It was season two of Project Greenlight. And I'm pretty sure he's got a couple of projects uh, coming out soon. Oh, no, it is in, yeah, like uh, Commissioner Jordan, an animated film coming soon. Uh, so that's a Ray Wise, very, very good. And then I'd say the Vulcan Bronze Age is a little bit more advanced than the humans just by looking the way they look on TV and into my imagination uh, but according to Wikipedia, real quick, uh, the Bronze Age is a period characterized and Earth by uh, bronze proto-writing and early features of urban civilization. So that's true there. It's the second uh, principal period of the 3 Age, uh Stone, Bronze, and Iron System uh, for classifying and studying ancient societies. And a uh, civilization is defined to be in the Bronze Age by either smelting its own copper and alloying it with tin, arsenic, or other metals, or by trading for bronze from production areas elsewhere. Uh, copper, tin, ore is rare, so there was no tin bronze in Western Asia before trading began in the 3rd century B.C. Uh, worldwide, the Bronze Age generally followed the Neolithic period, and uh, although the Iron Age generally followed the Bronze Age, some areas uh, the Iron Age intruded directly on the Neolithic. Uh, Bronze Age cultures differed in their development of writing. According to archaeological evidence, uh, uh, Mesopotamia and Egypt developed the first early viable writing systems. Uh, so that's a little bit about the Bronze Age. And uh, I looked up Vulcan Bronze Age. It only brings up stuff about the uh, uh, this episode. But what about the transporter room? This is from Fandom uh, Memory Alpha Wiki. Uh, transporter rooms are a part of Starship or Space Station, uh, outfitted for transportation of life forms. Life forms are small inanimate objects. Uh, There are a number of transporter rooms per ship or station, main criteria being, you know, to get everybody off the ship in a key amount of time. Uh, Some ships, such as the NX Class Enterprise, did not have a transporter room. Huh. Okay, let's see. I guess I should know the uh, transporter room by heart, but I don't. I mean, the number of the starship... uh, So this might be the original Enterprise. Uh, Galaxy Class Starship NCC-1701D had at least 20 transporter rooms. So let me just check the internet. You know, I don't want to give you the wrong info. Okay, here it is. Uh, NCC-1701D. Was I talking about the C earlier? I don't know. Um, Let me just see. This is also uh, from Memory Alpha Wiki. A lot of stuff on here. First contact. This is everything. Okay, here we go. Technical data. Um, main shuttle base on deck four. Uh, uh, deck twelve. Um, shipboard ship directory. Crew. Okay, that's not gonna help me. Um, so anyway, like at least uh, they they have a lot of transporter rooms to get everybody off the ship, which totally makes sense. Uh, so it's good to know. Like if you're on a ship, uh, let's say they had. A, just been watching an episode where they had the number of crew. I think it was a thousand people. So a thousand divided by twenty is like fifty person per transporter. room. So you could get. Yeah, that that sounds very efficient. Uh, so yeah, that's a little bit about uh, some stuff. Bronze Age, uh, a great act actor. And I guess it was an attempt to wake up stuff about the enterprise. All right. Uh, Good night, everybody.